So, uh, <clears throat> Eric kind of gave me a little introduction. I do want to tell you, um, some of you came this morning and you braved the storms. Uh, you may not have even had electricity and, and you were hoping to hear Eric. And so you're probably all a little disappointed and, and so forth. You know, I'm, I'm not Eric. Um, I'd try to grow the goatee and look like him, but it would look like I just kind of dipped my face in whipped cream because it's all, it's all kind of uh, <clears throat> white now. And um, yeah, I was going to go do the hair thing too. I was going to say I could, you know, pull off the faux hawk, but she really need hair to do that. So, <clears throat> so I'm not Eric. I preach differently than he does, and any similarity between he and I is completely coincidental, okay? I mean, there's nothing that I'm trying to do to imitate Eric, and so let's, let's just put that out of our heads now, all right? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> thank you, Matt, for the artwork. <clears throat> like that? <clears throat> so, um, I, I, someone asked me here as, I was, uh, as we were getting ready, have you, have you ever preached here before? Yeah, about 300 times, um, <clears throat> but not at Mosaic. So uh, I'm glad to be here, and hopefully it's like riding a bike. And, um, <clears throat> and Eric asked me to preach. He gave me a couple different parables that I could choose from, and um, the one that I picked um, is the shortest one. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor. I'm also a lawyer by trade, and so... Both of those kinds of people talk a long time, and the lights are way too bright for me to see that, uh, that clock, so um, settle in, and, and uh, you're all in trouble. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just being serious. Um, <clears throat> so I did pick uh, a shorter parable, and I actually emailed Eric this week and said, you know, when I first started thinking about this and kind of meditating on it, uh, there's one thing that, um, that popped into my mind, and that was this is really short. How am I going to talk for, you know, how am I going to talk for 90 minutes about this? Well, I, I figured out a way, but um, it is really a short parable. And uh, the thing that I love about Jesus' parables are this. Um, <clears throat> they're very simple stories told to very simple people. When he told these stories, he was telling them not to seminarians or to people with PhDs or anything like that. He was telling them to fishermen and to farmers and to uh, people that, you know, wo wove rugs for a living or, or who, you know, built stone homes and things like that. These weren't uh, the, uh, the intelligentsia of their time. These were people um, who had very simplistic thought patterns and Jesus wanted to, to, <clears throat> to share deep spiritual truths, big ideas in little stories. And some people, when they come to parables, they want to find the hidden meaning in everything, and this all represents that, and this, and, and so forth. And parables really aren't supposed to be dissected that way. We come to a parable, and we ask, what is the big idea that Jesus is communicating? And what did it mean to those people then? And what does it mean to us now? Once we get a hold of what it meant to them then, how do we translate that into the 21st century? So we're going to take apart this, uh, this parable. It's called the barren fig tree or um, the fruitless fig tree. And uh, let's read it through and then we'll kind of dive in, okay? So uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Luke 13. It's, if you're wondering, it's on page 966 of, of 
well, of this Bible. Um, <clears throat> no, that didn't work? Okay. So <clears throat> Luke 13, verse 6, <clears throat> and he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, <clears throat> look, for three years now I have come seeking, you know what, I didn't bring my reading glasses, so I'm going to turn around this way. I said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, the vine, the vine dresser answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should not bear fruit next year, or if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And that's the end of the story. <clears throat> so it ends a little bit abruptly, and it's kind of a little bit of a strange story. It's like one of those things when somebody posts on Facebook, I went and I had lunch the other day, end of story. You know, oh, wow, good story, thanks. <laughs> so this kind of ends um, just on this kind of vague note. And so what was Jesus trying to say? Why did he say this? Uh, and for us to understand it, what I want to do is I want to get some context. Let's understand what fig trees are and the role they played in the lives of people in Jesus' day. Fig trees were a provider of fruit. For us now, it's not so much fruit as it is like fig newtons. Um, that's, that's maybe where we're most familiar with figs. But, um, but back in that day, it was an important part of the diet. And a fig tree in Israel will typically bear fruit three times each year. There's if definitely two times, maybe three, depending on the climate, depending on the current weather conditions in that specific year. Um, there will be a, a, a spring harvest, and it's kind of later spring, so we're talking in that area, we're talking April, something like that. And then there is a summer harvest, sometime in July-ish. <clears throat> if, if they're fortunate enough and, the, and the, the soil is right and there's enough moisture and so forth, there will be a winter harvest of figs that will happen sometime in February. So... They count on a fig tree for at least two crops a year and, and hopefully a third. So it's an important part of the diet of people in that day and age. They depended on these, uh, on these trees. <clears throat> and so I can understand the, the vineyard owner who comes and says, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've had this tree now and I've come back three years in a row looking for fruit. And I don't just come one time a year, I come two times. I come three times a year looking for a harvest of fruit because it should be bearing fruit two or three times a year, right? <clears throat> We've got a car in the shop and <laughs> because there was an accident. And it's going on like six weeks now. And I keep calling the shop going, when's it going to be ready? Seriously, when's it going to be ready? And you st I'm starting to lose my patience because I want my car back and... Tired of not having that vehicle, and, <clears throat> and that's kind of what this vineyard owner does. <clears throat> so, at, as we start out with this parable, the, the first thing we know is that there's an expectation that fruit happens, right? God expects us, if we're talking about God, God expects us to be fruit bearers. You can go ahead and write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. 
but God expects us to be fruit bearers. That owner came, he probably had come now three times each year for three years. He had been there nine times looking for fruit. By the way, fruit trees don't typically bear fruit until their fourth year. Usually the first three years, they're still just trying to grow and get branches out and all that kind of stuff, and then they're big enough, and then there'll be fruit. And so this guy actually, presumably, Jesus didn't fill in all the details, but presumably the owner of the vineyard knows that it's going to be year four before we get any fruit. So he's actually coming in year six, maybe year seven, and he's going, okay, the time is ripe, but you're not, and he's upset about the tree. Understandably so. In the same way, God has designed us all to be fruit bearers. Okay? He's designed us for that, and he expects us to bear fruit. It's not just some kind of, hey, it would be cool if you bore fruit, but he has an expectation of that. I have kind of in my cartoon bubble when I think about this, and sometimes my cartoon bubble is a little bit strange, but um, in, in my cartoon bubble, I picture two different people who've bought a tree, and that tree is not bearing fruit. And so they go back to the garden, they go back to the nursery. What's a nursery around here? Anyone? So, Lines. Okay, lines. Yeah. Over on County Road 30, right? So we actually, we bought an apple tree there, which hasn't yet really borne fruit. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure they're a great nursery. But um, in, my mind, in, in my mind's bubble, um, uh, I, I picture kind of the, the, the shy, introverted Minnesotan who has a fruit tree and it's not blooming. And so, so the, the Minnesotan goes in and it's like, you know, uh, well, gee, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's a great tree. I mean, I, I don't... I've never seen, like, I mean, it's a beautiful tree, you know? And uh, I was telling the wife the other day, man, it's really great. Um, but, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, is it going to, like, ever you know, bear, bear fruit? Or, you know, no, it's probably, you know, I mean, I'm probably not giving it enough air. Maybe I should put a fan on it. Because it's, you know, and, and I love to see, you know, that, you know, kind of a, a real timid person going and saying, uh, you know, this tree isn't bearing fruit. And God is not that way. God, as, as, as Jesus points out, it's a fig tree. It's, it's designed to bear fruit. It's supposed to bear fruit. And so God expects that to happen. The other thing that goes on in my cartoon bubble is not the timid person, but <clears throat> maybe a New Yorker or, or better yet, what would Darth Vader do? So Darth Vader comes and there is no fruit on this tree. And, uh, you know, and he's looking at the vine dresser and he's like, send the stormtroopers. What? What? Yes, the stormtroopers never hit anything with their laser guns. Okay. Send the Death Star. What? Oh, yes. The Skywalker blew it up. That's right. I will, I will force choke the tree. And, you know, and he does his, he does his choke. 1.83 million toothpicks that taste like Fig Newtons. <clears throat> and God's expectation is neither the timid 
Minnesotan who, you know, is just really kind of, I, I, by the way, I can make fun of Minnesota. I wasn't, I'm not native Minnesotan, so sometimes I make observations about people in Minnesota. And, and so God is not that way, and God is not Darth Vader. We see in the story that the vine dresser steps in and says, no, let's not kill this yet. Let's wait a while. Um, one of the versions I said is, let's wait a while. I'm going to dig a trench, and I will manure it. Wow, never heard of that as a verb, but apparently it is. So... <clears throat> So God expects us to bear fruit. That's the first thing we need to understand about this parable. The second thing is this, that God didn't wire us to be a, uh, something that, that bears virtually any type of fruit. God wired us, and he wires us to bear a specific type of fruit. So a fig tree will bear figs. One of the first things that we see in this parable is, is that uh, Jesus said this, after he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. A fig tree in his vineyard. Uh, why? There's reasons for that. I mean, oftentimes they would plant fig trees in the corners of uh, vineyards and they would serve a purpose and, and their branches would spread out and they could actually interlace the the vines into some of the branches so they didn't have to build as many trellises and so forth to, to support the vines. <clears throat> so, but we see a contrast there. We see a contrast between vines and fig trees. Vines are designed to produce grapes. Fig trees are designed to bear figs. <clears throat> Sometimes I wish, you know, I had a shrimp tree or a pizza tree, but, you know, they don't really exist. Um, there are things that, you know, a brownie tree, I could, I could get into that. <clears throat> but one of, the things that, one of the things that we need to understand is that God has given us each different wiring. We're all designed to bear fruit, but my fruit may look completely different than your fruit. If I tried to get up and lead worship like Matt does, yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing. And, and that's not going to be a fruitful endeavor um, on my part for the kingdom of God. So that would be something that would be kind of a disaster. <clears throat> there are other people uh, who serve and who teach kids, or they greet, or they, they do whatever um, they are designed to do. And God has given us each a shape. God has given us each um, we read in Scripture that God has given uh, spiritual gifts to everyone. Everyone who is a follower of Christ has been given at least one spiritual, spiritual gift, probably more. But those spiritual gifts are interlaced on, uh, on top of us, or they're laid down on top of us, and we interact with those spiritual gifts based on our, our passions and our abilities and <clears throat> our experiences. God takes our experiences and and, and meshes that with the spiritual gifts that he's given us. And so we, like a fig tree, God expecting us to bear fruit, he's, he's equipped us and he's wired us to bear fruit, and that all flows through our heart and our aptitudes and our, and our passions and our experiences. I've talked with Eric, and he said that sometime in the near future, there's going to be more equipping specifically regarding some of these areas more specific kind of classes tailored to how do I grow spiritually. 
And how do I learn what my spiritual gifts are? And how do I start to exercise those spiritual gifts? And how do I give my faith away? And so I'm really excited to see that in the near future here uh, at Mosaic. So keep that in mind. When you hear about it, remember, we're designed to bear fruit. One of the things that I, I do want to talk about as we're talking about bearing fruit, I want to go back and I want to read the first five verses of this chapter because the first five, chap, the first five verses kind of set us up to understand a little bit better um, why Jesus was telling this parable at this time. And you read with me. <clears throat> it's kind of some odd stuff, so bear with me. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What is that about? Pilate mixing blood of, of Jewish people and, and towers falling on people and, you know, it sounds like chaos and pandemonium. And what really happened, what, what Luke is giving us a snapshot of is the people that were following Jesus and wanting to learn from him had started to debate theology. They wanted to figure out, oh, these people who died, these people who suffered a really nasty fate, they must have done something really bad to deserve it. They must have let some sin into their lives. And because of that, Herod executed them, or God, God used Herod as his instrument of judgment and so forth, or, or this tower fell and killed these people. And, and so they're debating who's saved, um, who's really forgiven, who's going to heaven. Why does God let stuff, you know, bad stuff like this happen? It must have been, they must have deserved it, Right? And Jesus says, you know what, you need to repent. Now let me tell you a story. You repent, you're, you're a follower, that's great. Here's the more important thing. Theology is important. Theology matters. What we believe and why we believe it is in, incredibly essential. But we can't sit there and debate it all day long. There comes a point where we have to put some action into our faith and into our belief. And that's what Christ is doing with this story. He's saying, hey, here's a story for you. There's this vine owner, or this, this vine vineyard owner, and he goes and he talks to the, you know, there's no fruit, and blah, 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 and he's going to chop it down, and what's going on? And, and he tells this story that just, you know, kind of in their face says, you need to be bearing fruit. Quit arguing amongst yourselves. Quit trying to prove that your position is right. Instead, Learn what your gifting is. Go and bear fruit. You get that? That is the big deal about this story. That's the big point. But it doesn't end there. I've got a couple other points that I want you to think through and I want you to understand. <clears throat> when, <clears throat> when a tree bears fruit, when, <clears throat> when, a, when, when there's, let's take strawberries. There's some beautiful strawberries in, what is that, do we call that the green room or the, the room where we hide snacks for people who, who have helped out this morning? 
right back there. Um, <laughs> there's some beautiful strawberries back there. And I was like, you know, I was like drooling. Oh, those look good. <clears throat> Why does a strawberry plant produce strawberries? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? <clears throat> so it, it produces strawberries so that birds will come and eat the fruit and then take the seed and through their digestive process, deposit it elsewhere so that it will grow. Okay, the fruit is not being, the fruit is not being produced by that strawberry plant so that that plant can be bigger or can be stronger. That fruit is being produced so that there will be more strawberries later, so that there will be a replication process. So fig trees, same thing. Any kind of tree that there is, whether they produce nuts or fruit or whatever, pine cones, it's all about replication. Fruit is not there so that the one who produced it can say, wow, look at me, I got lots of big fruit. I'm kind of cool that way. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a big deal. You know, um, that's not what it's about. What this parable says to us, and if you want the big idea in four words, it's this. Bear fruit so that. Bear fruit so that. That is the big idea behind this entire parable. <clears throat> the last point that I have is, you know, fruit is, oh, I'm sorry, I missed point three, didn't I? If you're filling in the things, fruit is for hungry people and not for the fruit tree. I already told you what I was kind of teaching about that. Fruit is for hungry people, not for the fruit, fruit tree. And the last thing that goes along closely with that is, if we don't bear fruit, people die. If we don't bear fruit, people die. Jesus told this story to people who didn't have Cub Foods nearby. They didn't have Costco, and they didn't have McDonald's drive-thru, and they didn't have Sam's Club or Walmart, or, and the rainbows had already gone out of business, <laughs> even back then. <clears throat> These were people who grew what they needed. So it was a big deal for these people if they have a fruit tree and it is not bearing fruit. That's a big deal because they've got, you know, 18 kids at home or, you know, or six or whatever, and one of their kids might die if there isn't enough food. Or maybe dad will be eating, you know, less, and he goes out to the fields and, he, and he, he's eating less, he's sacrificing so the rest of his family can eat, and all of a sudden he's weakened and he becomes more susceptible to disease and so forth. And they didn't have vaccinations back then either or antibiotics. And so people needed good nutrition so that they could hopefully, you know, not die when they're 24 years old. This was a big deal back then. If that tree did not bear fruit, there could be somebody who dies. We are called to bear fruit so that. That's what this story is all about. The kind of weird thing about this story is Jesus never finished it. Do you notice that? 
the vine dresser says, give me a year, you'll see. He, he, to me, he sounds like my Uncle Luigi. Oh, you let Luigi take care of it. Don't you worry. In a year you come back, there'll be fruit. Don't worry, right? And, and so he's just saying, we don't know if the vineyard owner said, no, forget that, kill it now. We don't know. Maybe he said, okay, I'll give it another year. And maybe he came back in a year and there was no fruit, and then he cut it down. We don't know. Maybe he gave it another year, and after the year, he came back, and there was fruit. Jesus doesn't tell us. We're left, in the, we're left out, you know, in the dark about this. I was reading a novel the past couple of weeks and on my Kindle, and there's, you know, it's, it's like a thriller kind of thing. Um, I like spy stuff, Tom Clancy and that kind of stuff. And, and so there's, there's always, you know, the, the spy and the love interest, right? And as I'm getting right near the end, you know, he finishes everything, he's the hero, blah, 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 and then he, um, and then he gets a call and he looks at it and it's caller ID and it's Nera, the girl. And so he clicks on the phone and I turn the page and the book is done. What is that? You know, I don't like, ask my wife, I don't like romantic movies very much, but I was, I was kind of ticked. I'm like, did he seriously just do that? I, do they get together or don't they? Jesus ends that parable this way. You know why he ends it that way? Because you and I are still writing the end of that parable. We write the end of the parable in our own lives. We write the end of that parable when we decide, are we going to partner with God? Are we going to humble ourselves and allow God to, through the giftings that he's given us and through our passions and our aptitudes and our abilities and our experiences and our heart, are we going to partner with him and advance the kingdom in Maple Grove? Are we going to see to it that people in Maple Grove don't die without knowing the grace and love of our Heavenly Father? So my final thought is this. <clears throat> when we talk about church, we sometimes think about coming here. And we think that this is church. And we think sometimes that church is for us. But the reality is, church is not for us. The church is us. And the church is for the unchurched. Just like fruit trees, we are called to not take in all of these nutrients and do nothing. But we're called to bear fruit to give it away freely, to share the hope that a dying world and a hopeless world needs to hear. That's what we're called to do. We're called to share love that we will never fully understand. We're called to give away this faith and this grace that is incomprehensible. As we walk away today, our takeaway is, our, do we when, we, when we look at our innermost selves, are we partnering with God? It's one of the craziest things about God is he looks at us. 
as messed up as we are, and he says, I, want, I, want, I pick you for my team, and I want you to be my messenger. I want you, through everything that you have, to partner with me, as messy as that's going to look, and I want you to give away the truths of who I am. That's what our God does. It's a crazy thought. But that's what we're called to as followers of Christ. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. Lord, we come now and, and after we've dug into your word, we've heard more of your heart and who you are. We know that whenever we come to your word, that you will reveal yourself. I pray that you will allow us to interact with this. I pray that as we walk out of here this day and we face this coming week, that we will insist on being your church, not here, but out there in the real world. Give us the guts to follow you. Give us the guts to love the way you love. Give us the guts to forgive the way you forgive. To show mercy the way you show mercy. God, allow us to bear fruit. We want to we give ourselves to you for this task. We thank you for the amazing reality that you have chosen us as your vessels, as the conduits of your grace and your hope, and your mercy, your forgiveness, and your love. We give ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen.